Hello and welcome to another podcast episode of Your Perspective. In this edition, we will talk about green jobs, the careers for sustainable development. We invited one student and three alumni of the humanities faculty at Utrecht University to discuss their experiences and views. So, what types of jobs are out there available for humanities graduates? And do you need a lot of technical knowledge of sustainable development as well? And just how green do you yourself have to be? We discuss these questions and more during a live session on Microsoft Teams in which students were able to ask questions in the chat. My name is Bart Nijland and I am the host. For the first part of this episode, I will talk to Annemijn Potapel. She is a student of applied ethics and did an internship at Utrecht University in a research project that asked the question, how can we make the Dutch film industry more sustainable? I asked Anna Mijn to introduce the project and how she got in. Yeah, well, first, thank you for the invitation. I'm Anna Mijn, uh, as you just mentioned, um, and um, I, I met actually Judith, who, uh, who is the project leader of this, uh, of this um, internship um and and that's how I got uh, got in touch with it and it's actually an, uh, a research project that is done um, commissioned by the Dutch Film Fund so that's actually the, uh, a funding organization that gives producers and film productions their money and is kind of like the the organizatory organization um, and it is a research project um, to look at Dutch film production, how that can be done more sustainable. So not a lot of people think of this combination, sustainability and film, but actually film is a very big area in which a lot of progress can be made. For example, think of traveling to different locations, uh, all the energy or electricity that is being used for a big production, all the costumes, set designs. So actually with film, you are creating a world, you're setting up an entire world for a few months and after that it's completely taken down again and what's also very unique about film production is that it's all there are all a lot of there are a lot of different uh, organizations who are working with it so it's all different productions who work besides each other so instead of a big company for example or a connected organization it's more fragmented uh, if you will so it's more difficult to uh, organize it. So this research project is, go, is looking into best practices, ways in which other countries try to try to um, make film production more sustainable. And right now we're looking at some pilots uh, with different Dutch productions to to see what can be done actually to um, to change that. Sounds very interesting. Uh, yeah. Is there are there certain countries or in industries, film industries, where they are much ahead of us or? Yeah, so it, it differs in, in Europe, but but uh, the Netherlands are not really front runners. Uh, so, for example, uh, in Belgium, they have they work with uh, a lot more with uh, CO2 uh, measuring. So the fund uh, of Belgium, they actually implement more rules when it comes to sustainability that that producers have to uh, have to fulfill or have to meet in order to get their funding for example so that is a way in which you can do it uh, I think Italy does a lot with uh, giving certificates for green production so that is another approach that you could take to bring more motivation for makers 
yeah, but those are two different things. So you can, of course, do it with, with giving monetary incentives or certificates. But right now we are looking at maybe implementing some kind of eco-manager. So that would be someone who has experience in the field, uh, knows how production works and can actually connect different departments of film to, uh, yeah, to make sure the film is made more sustainably. Now, that sounds interesting. It sounds like there's a new job being created for this industry. Is that true? Indeed. Yes. So some of our uh, students might be uh, the people to actually do this in the future. Yeah, definitely. It's quite new. Um, I believe in in Germany there are are some uh, courses being created or have been created for such an eco-manager or sustainability manager. But it's relatively new, the combination. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of uh, opportunity there to, uh, okay. to fill in. Uh, and do you already have a kind of a sense of what these people should be able to do or what they should know? Well, that is, that is still something we have to set up, uh, especially because we're going to test it in more pilot phases to see what actually works and what doesn't. But uh, since, since film production is quite fragmented, as I said, it is interesting and very important to have an overarching view um, on what is actually being done in different departments and different productions. So a person uh, should be able to fulfill such a, uh, such a position that can keep track of these different developments. Great, yeah. Yeah. So soon we will have green flicks or something like that. <laughs> A lot is being done, yeah. Also by uh, by Netflix, for example, yeah. Okay, interesting. So uh, it seems that there will be opportunities there uh, in the future. That's uh, that's yeah. good. And I'm guessing some other parts of the cultural world will also uh, be thinking about this. Uh, I heard last year, I think, that uh, Coldplay was announcing that they would quit touring unless it was uh, becoming CO2 neutral to tour. So... Uh, I can imagine that uh, this is also an industry where uh, there are challenges and opportunities uh, that lie ahead. So um, what is it that you do in the the project itself uh, as an intern? Yeah, um, well, since I am uh, coming in uh, this research from applied ethics, I am looking more at the philosophical and moral aspects of behavior uh, in this field. And uh, what I noticed was that responsibility is a very big problem because there are a lot of lot of freelancers, different people doing different things in the production. It's really difficult to define who is actually responsible for yeah for production. Uh, so you may have heard of the problem of many hands, for example. It's a it's a term that is sometimes used within sustainability. That there are a lot of people who all do small parts of a project and cannot be held fully responsible. So then it is really important to look more at collective responsibility, for example. So an environment where people can be held responsible and accountable for their actions. Uh, so shared codes of conduct, for example. Uh, and another thing in line with that is that there may be conflicting logics between the different departments. So, for example, uh, since a movie production consists of many different departments, uh, like camera, art department, sound, all these different departments may view a successful film differently than, for example, a um, uh, producer. So it is really important to create more collective responsibility and collective 
uh, views of what actually makes a film sustainable and what makes a film good or successful in that sense. So those are some aspects of my uh, research. Very interesting. But like you said, you're uh, you're coming to an end, at least for the formal part of your internship. Uh, yes. You might be able to stay on. Will there be other opportunities for other students as well? Well, that's still to be seen since this is a specific project that is commissioned by the Dutch Film Fund. And um, I'm not sure what they are. What, yeah, what their plan is for uh for in the future, because it's also a way, of course, to use research in order to get into practice more. So I don't really know what the academic, what the role of uh, academia is in this specific project, but I do think, especially with regards to the new functions of eco-managers or sustainability managers and uh, a lot of different production companies that are also starting to hop in on this movement, that a lot of knowledge is still uh, useful since it's relatively new for producers and for makers to think about these things. So definitely it's a field in which a lot is, um, is so possible. Yeah, nice. And do you know what your next steps are going to be going to be? Are you continuing on in this direction or? Yeah. And in, in some way, I do think so. I, I really like the, the, the way in which the fields of morality and sustainability and culture meet in projects like, like this, especially since, for example, film is also a way where or a place where stories are told and creative ideas are are brought up also within the stories. So, for example, storytelling can also be a way to uh, raise awareness for topics like this. So I really like the combination um, between those different aspects in projects like this. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, we'll be following you. <laughs> yeah, nice. So thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us for a, a few moments. I don't know if you're staying on, but maybe some of uh, the attendees can uh, ask you some questions in the chat and you might answer them there. Sure. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you so much. So this concludes our conversation with Annemijn Patapel. In the second and last part of the episode of Your Perspective, we talk to a panel of three alumni. Sarah Herford is a Marketing and Communication Coordinator for Het Groene Brein, or The Green Mind, a network of scientists that help companies with their quest for the circular economy. And she is also the brain behind Sarah's Keuken, a vegan food blog, which she founded during her studies, Liberal Arts and Sciences. Speaking of food, our second speaker, Charlotte van den Arend, worked as a campaigner for Food Cabinet, a company aimed at creative campaigns to promote sustainable, fair and healthy food consumption. Shortly after the recording of this podcast, Charlotte made a switch to Solidaridad. She did a Bachelor in Communication and Information Sciences and was also active for the Slow Food Youth Network. Our third speaker, Lilian van Hoven, is one of our Applied Ethics alumni. She now works as Program Manager and Consultant for New Economy. In this role, she is a partner for companies who want to rethink their products or services in a way that makes them align with sustainable economy. Her holistic approach is also reflected by her work as a yoga instructor. I asked our speakers if they had anything to add to my general introduction, and I started with Lilian. Uh, yeah, what can I add? Uh, I can add I'm also a mom of two kids. Um, so that uh, makes me also that I'm working part-time for now uh, and trying to combine everything. Is that something that also inspires your 
views on sustainability or you're wanting to uh, work for well, that? Definitely. It makes you think about education and what kind of world you want your kids to be raised. So, yeah, it's it's merging all together, I would say. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, and you study at Applied Ethics, right? Yeah, yes. I do. So, great. Uh, Charlotte, what would you like to add? Um, well, I think you uh, covered it really well. <laughs> I uh, I just uh, quit my job and now I'm in a bit of a holiday uh, zone. Um, and um, yeah, I um, I really think um, it's nice that I got into the sustainable food world a little bit, uh, yeah, accidentally actually. And now I uh, feel this whole passion about making the world of food more sustainable, but I can tell a little bit about that later. <laughs> yes, and that will be lovely. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, and your study uh, was uh, the Bachelor of Communication in Information Sciences. Yes. Uh, and you didn't you didn't do a master's, right? Yes, that's true. Yeah. I um, yeah during my studies I uh, started living in Utrecht and I uh, really liked uh, the whole student life and. Uh, my study association, sport association, and I really liked um, the communities that were there. And there I also uh, discovered really the practical side of communication. So uh, the social media, uh, organizing events, uh, making people, uh, yeah, inform people about stuff and uh, seeing things come to life. So where the study was really, uh, yeah, it was a little bit too much theory for me. And uh, I really liked it uh, coming to life. And uh, I was like, when I <laughs> finally finished my thesis, I was like, okay, I want to, I want to work and uh, bring it into practice. Very good. And it's, it's a common question for me and Feline and Karen. I think uh, that students have: uh, is there, are there options uh, with only a bachelor, as some people view it, uh, but there certainly are. And uh, Sarah is another example of that because. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you did the Bachelor of Liberal Arts and Sciences? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I also did just a Bachelor. Um, but, well, I can guarantee you firsthand that there are actually job uh, places where you can uh, yeah, have just a Bachelor. I would say it really depends on what kind of degree you did, because some degrees, I think humanities is a bit of an exception to that, but some more technical degrees, uh, it would be harder, I believe, especially if I have friends of mine that do more like biology degrees or something, it would be way harder to get into a place if you don't have a master's. But for me, it was uh, it was fine because, well, I got a job, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think my introduction was quite covering as well, just like Charlotte, um, with the only addition that... Um, we have a network of scientists and we do help a lot of companies, but we also work with um, just professionals that not necessarily are entrepreneurs. We also have some projects with the, govern uh, the government. So we have basically all the, yeah, the practice people, the people who actually do the work, professionals. So that can be, yeah, usually we work transdisciplinary with loads of different uh, people. So, yeah, it depends on the project. But, well, I believe we'll, we'll go into that a bit later. So. Yeah, well, why don't we dive into that? Because uh, I can imagine with your liberal arts and sciences background that, uh, yeah, you have this multi and interdisciplinary approach, which helps you maybe also in that in that sense, although you're doing the communication. So what does that entail? Do you actually work with all these different kinds of groups uh, or is it uh, more communication towards the outsiders 
Um, I, uh, both, actually. Um, so I know very little about a lot of things, basically, because <laughs> uh, I don't do one project like most of my colleagues do. Um, so we have projects about sustainable textiles, about regenerative farming, about loads of different uh, ways that you can achieve the circular economy. And I do the communications just in general, our general communication platforms. So our social media like LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. Um, but I also do specific social media and communication strategies for a specific project that we do. Um, and then I would actually dive in and um, speak to those different kind of partners that are involved in the project. Um, I don't do that for all the projects because then I would need to work, well, three times. So what I do now, that wouldn't be possible. So it depends. But usually I don't speak to a lot of the people that are involved in the project that are not my colleagues. I just super, super fastly read up what is happening in the project and I'll use that for the social media strategies. Okay, sounds interesting. And um, how green do you think this job is? Does ah. it feel like a green job for you? Or? Um, well, um, for sure. Otherwise, I don't think I'd be sitting here. But mm -hmm. I definitely see myself as a very left person. If you're talking about a political spectrum, I am very much a green idealist. Um, for me, I really recognize myself, what Charlotte mentioned earlier, that uh, I did a bachelor's degree. And during that degree, I wrote a lot of papers about being sustainable. I also come from a more philosophical background in my degree. And I wrote a lot about how do we care for other people? How do we care for the planet? Um, and I wrote those papers and those papers never saw any light after that. Uh, and in my current job, I can actually help governments become more green. I can help policy speed up. I can help entrepreneurs um, because entrepreneurs face a lot of difficulties having a green strategy because of the laws that don't help them, because they don't know other people that are doing the same. And in that way, we can um, solve very practical questions and we can actually see companies within a very short time from a few months to a few years make a huge difference, especially if we're talking about a very big company, which has a lot of impact and CO2, for example. So in that way, it is very green. It can be less green if if you have a very slow project where you have to write a proposal, you have to get a fund and then you have to have another round of writing a proposal. Yeah, so then it can take a few years before you write a report. And then are the professionals, the people who do the work, actually going to read the report and implement it? That's a lot of insecurity. So, yeah, it, it can take a while to see the impacts that you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I can imagine. We'll get back to that uh, later on uh, a little bit, but uh, it's nice to hear that you at least that you get some satisfaction as a green idealist in the re very real work that you do. Of course, uh, it's uh, that's what it's all about for a lot of uh, a lot of us, of course. Um, so, Charlotte, how is that for you? Um, yeah, I think um, it's. Um... We, uh, I work at, I work, I will talk about food cabinet, the job where I've worked for four years and that's a campaigning agency. So we do advertisements and events, uh, mostly to raise awareness, uh, about, uh, changing the food system and making it better. And, uh, I think that in itself is a thing that is very necessary because, uh, the food system is really a big, uh, yeah, there are so many different steps in the whole food chain that can uh, be more sustainable. And, uh, our campaigns really focus on consumer activism. So what can consumers do? And there are actually three main things and that's waste less food, 
eat less meat or eat more plant-based. And um, there's another important one. Well, the um, the meat one and the, the uh, no waste are the most important ones, actually. And uh, I think not all our campaigns are about that. So sometimes when our campaigns were about that, it was like, yes, this is really important. These are the core problems. But of course, there are some smaller uh, steps that can be taken too. But um, when there are um, campaigns on consumer activism, I always felt like, okay, we reached so many people on social media, but what did they really do? Did they change their behavior? So that was also always for me a little bit more um, yeah, difficult to really feel like we made an impact, but it, yeah, that's the thing with when you do campaigns, you never really know if you change the behavior uh, in the end, but I think it can contributes anyway. So I, I never doubted the greenness of it, but I, I really like um, small communities more where you can really see that things make, make a difference. So that's, uh, that's what I noticed. And that's also why I changed my job uh, to Solidaridad, which is more of a networking organization, with, which really helps uh, at the start of the food chain and also some other uh, textile and gold. And there really are more networks. So I think maybe it will, would feel more like uh, a connection with uh, the people that we uh, work for. So. Yeah, because when you, uh, when you uh, decided uh, to leave your old job and look for a new job? Was it really important for you that it would be another job where you would have that impact and the work on sustainability issues or? Yes, that was a key uh, thing for me. Um, I had a few things uh, in mind. So at first the food system would be great again, but I would also love it to contribute more to nature in the Netherlands. So I was also looking at jobs in that uh, area and uh, also more, um, yeah, in a, um, like a maatschappelijk werk, something like that more, um, yeah. Focus that on society. Yeah. yeah, focus on society. So it, it contributes something because I think with communication, you can do so many different things. And, uh, yeah, there are a lot of uh, jobs that, yeah, in my uh, opinion, don't really add something to the world. And I think, yeah, when you put so many hours in your work, uh, you want to make a difference uh, how small or big uh, it, it is. Uh, that was important for me. Yeah, can imagine. And I see Sarah nodding as well. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Lilian, um, you, you work towards a new economy. Uh, and of course, economic systems are very slow to change uh, in general. So how does this feel for you? Is it, do you see the impact of your work? And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think yeah. we try to also uh, uh, help the people uh, working within the economic system, which means uh, small, medium enterprises uh, could also be uh, uh, municipalities uh, that can also be, uh, but then we also work for them uh, with the, the eye of the entrepreneur uh, in mind. So how can they facilitate entrepreneurs to speed up uh, towards a more sustainable or regenerative approach? <clears throat> so yeah, I do, see, I do see that we actually do create impact because we have, um, yeah, we try to 
rethink their their business or maybe think about do you need to work with other materials for your products or do you need to rethink your uh, your business model uh, which then can make it very specific on what to change in order to become more sustainable which is what I really like about the job and if it's not I also like to see it as a pragmatic approach so if you cannot already change in a way that you become completely uh, climate positive, then what can you do tomorrow to already make the first step? What can you do in a couple of weeks from now? What can you do in a year? So then you start to build, uh, but starting with uh, today or tomorrow. Yeah. And so what is it you do exactly as program manager and advisor uh, consultant? Yeah, so we help um, uh, yeah, entrepreneurs or small, medium enterprises with uh, thinking about how maybe their products or their company become become more sustainable. And what we do, for example, is by measuring their baseline. So what's the current impact? And then we run an analysis on the company, which can be what type of uh, transport are your employees using to what type of um, pro material is in your product? Uh, how is your product being used? You can, the whole range, we take that into account, see what that means for the implication or the impact on the environment. And then we can see kind of the hot spots. like, okay, so here you have a very big negative impact or here you have a potential very good positive impact. So then based on that analysis, we formulate a strategy plan on how to continue uh, working towards a more... Uh, regenerative approach because we prefer to go we like to call it more uh, contributing to uh, climate solutions so that it goes beyond sustainability and beyond circularity into um, creating uh, more biodiversity instead of uh, uh, stop reducing uh, biodiversity loss now to me this all sounds quite technical uh, do you have that technical uh, skills from your studies and not from no. applied ethics, I would yeah. say? <laughs> or do you work with others who have exactly. that? And you, what, what is your exact role in this then? Uh, so it's partly uh, project management and it's also analyzing. So uh, I don't do the technical analysis. We have uh, great colleagues who can do that. Uh, but then after they've done their quite their first analysis, you can, you can see kind of trends of topics um on where where they say okay so here's a big impact which could be uh, a big co2 impact uh, or like co2 emissions um you can see where that is and then you can say okay uh how can we help the company to change that so then it becomes a bit more strategy and that's uh, that you can work with but uh, i do i do not do the 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 technical analysis and that's mm. uh, something I, I was a bit worried about that I didn't know anything of that but then mm -hmm. I realized you don't have to if you have a good team and you communicate well and you have enough meetings you can collaboratively actually make a very good uh, end result yeah but at some point you decided to go for this job to apply for it and yeah uh, what were the things that they were asking of you in, in terms of skills or knowledge uh, and uh, how did you sell yourself as someone who didn't have that technical background? Yeah, so I, I, I made it a little bit of a switch of uh, coming from research into uh, uh, the impact of technology and innovation on society 
wanting to work more towards sustainability. So then I started with talking to people I knew who, who have been working in the field. Um, what do I need to know? What kind of skills do I need to have? Uh, what type of knowledge do I need to, to have? And then it, I kind of rolled into a conversation with uh, someone of new economy. Uh, and I actually said, like, I don't know anything about this. I don't even have enough knowledge on the topic. Uh, and then just try to say, what can you do or what are the skills that you are trained at? Uh, which for, uh, I think, more humanity studies, it's, it's analytical skills. It's uh, helping structuring, conceptualizing. And I think that can be very useful as well for uh, when you're working or you're trying to help uh, shaping a new economy or sustainability because it's it can be still a bit blurred. We have enough clients who still really don't really know what sustainability can all mean. Uh, so there, yeah, you can have a, a I think you can have a, you can contribute in that way. Yeah. And it seems to me that if anything, uh, sustainable development is this all about this cooperation and bringing different kinds exactly. of knowledge together. I mean, maybe yeah. that's where we we lost our sustainable development at some point in the sciences. We started to divide everything and didn't see the whole anymore. And of yeah. course, sustainable development is about that holistic approach. Interesting. So, Charlotte, of course, you just applied for or a few weeks or months ago, applied for this new job. Uh, what were they looking for and what skills did you bring from your previous jobs and what skills are specifically, in your view, uh, skills that we uh, as humanities uh, scholars uh, excel at? Yeah, I think uh, the job I was looking for or the um, the advert for the job, uh, the vacancy uh, was actually quite similar to the uh, uh, stuff I was already doing. So I had to... Uh, my uh, Dutch had to be really great. I had to know some social media tools and uh, newsletter tools and all kind of digital tools uh, and um, know how to reach certain audiences. And since I worked at a campaigning agency, those were uh, things that really, uh, yeah, were uh, really um, close to what I knew already. And of course, uh, some of the stuff I, I uh, really learned uh, at university, like the basic academic skills and the writing, but I think all the uh, practical stuff I really learned in the in my internship, uh, in my volunteer work, and in my first uh, job. So uh, I think it's really, uh, yeah, it really helped me to do those uh, things next to uh, my study. And, can, uh, because, can you tell us a bit about those things yeah. that you did? Yeah, I did uh, two internships during my bachelor. I uh, Those were in the music industry, actually, because I really like music and festivals and culture as well. Uh, so that one was at Tivoli Vredeburg and one was at Motel Mosaic, a festival in uh, Rotterdam. And um, yeah, I that's where I learned the basic of social media tools and writing the shorter, uh, shorter messages because uh, the papers... Uh, had to be quite long and then to put everything in a small, uh, small uh, messages, something really different. Um, and after those um, 
internships, I actually discovered that I liked the music industry, but I didn't want to work in that field because I wanted to learn something about the world I did not really know. Uh, and I wanted to contribute a little bit more. So uh, I really like music, but uh, I just wanted to make the world a better place. And music also does that, but not in the way I, I wanted to learn more about uh, sustainability in food or society. And um, I also discovered that because I also uh, did volunteer work for the Slow Food Youth Network. And uh, they, uh, yeah, they are like a networking organization of all kinds of people in the food chain, from chefs to, uh, to uh, policymakers, to people who work at Albert Heijn, uh, all kinds of different people who want to make the food chain um, better together. And uh, that's where I, uh, yeah, from there, I also uh, saw like they had, uh, when I finished my studies, there was a job opening at Food Cabinet. And uh, that's actually quite similar to the Slow Food uh, Youth Network. I, I didn't even know that at first. I was like, oh, nice food campaigns. This uh, is what I'm already uh, getting into a little bit. And then I discovered they were like the same uh, Oprichter, so this, it was founded by the same people in the Netherlands. So, um, yeah, I learned that later, but that was uh, nice to have some experience in that. And that really gave me like, uh, um, yeah, in, in my job, it really they really liked that. I also had some experience there and I really showed my passion for sustainability by the things I did next to my study. Yeah. And most of the the companies and organizations that are looking for people they're not specifically always looking for your knowledge or anything but more of a hands-on approach and knowing that you are able to work within a team and stuff like that so yes. I guess you kind of show that already with uh, all this uh, experience that you have yeah that's also a thing I really liked about uh, doing all the committees and I also did a board here at my study association that that really helped me to work together with other people instead of just studying, writing papers on my own. It, that's, uh, I did not mention that uh, before, but that's a good point because I really like working in a team and that's also very important uh, to me. Yeah. Nice. We got a question for you in the chat. Was there, uh, from uh, Julia, was there a sustainable aspect of your job in the music industry? Um, no, I was not not uh, really um, focusing on sustainability uh, by then at all and also not really during my studies. It really came at the end of my studies and uh, yeah, I think uh, because we heard the story earlier that there of course are some possibilities at a music venue to uh, bring sustainability into practice as well because there's also food involved, there's also light involved, everything <laughs> that needs to be arranged uh, there could use uh, more sustainable fuel, but uh, to me, uh, I was not uh, busy uh, doing that at all. I was more uh, creating uh, social content over there. And of course, if then you think, oh, we should post more about sustainability, then you're the one who can bring that up. And then you reach all the people that follow the social media and the newsletter. So if you have sustainability at heart, I think you can Im implement it everywhere, basically. Nice. Thank you. So, Sarah, you also uh, did something else next to your studies. Uh, you told us a little bit about your study times already, uh, but you started your blog, of course, your vegan food blog. Yes. Uh, 
So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and if that may, may have helped your profile and what other things did you do that really helped uh, you later on when you decided to uh, to apply for this job or maybe other jobs as well? Yeah, it, um, so my blog really helped my professional career, even though I didn't realize that when I started it, that was not in my mind. My mind was just, let's create recipes. Yeah, more cheesecake. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was definitely not my aim. But in the end, I realized that while I was um, graduating uh, Utrecht University, that I had this place where I could show that people like might hire me, that I had at least four years of social media experience, that I wrote articles about um, so I don't just write recipes. I also wrote articles about um, sustainable living. For example, I am really big on um, buying uh, secondhand clothing, uh, clothing, but I realized that a lot of people didn't know a lot about that. So um, those kind of articles I also wrote. Um, so that showed both my interest in the field of sustainability and my skills to write for a general public. Um, about things that are also scientific but are not aimed at a scientific public because I feel like that is something I already had covered in my degree. So I found it really useful to be able to show that I could write for another public as well. Um, and the same goes for the, my experience in social media. So I use my social media channel, mostly Instagram, to, you know, share my recipes and, you know, basically as an extension of my blog. And the same goes for that. It was really useful to be able to show that I had um, a couple of years experience in social media. Um, so that did help my career. Um, some other things that I did, um, I did an internship at Studium Generale, where um, I also wrote loads of articles and I had some uh, some organization work where I was involved as well, basically as a program manager. Um, for the for the upcoming program, I help with you know creating and deciding the topics, etc. And there I also did social media. Um, so I think. In the end, it is really important that you are aware of where your interests lie and how you can frame what you already did to make what is very logical and makes a lot of sense for you that those are interests to be able to frame that to the person that might hire you. Because when someone would look at my resume, I did a lot, a lot of different projects, a lot of different volunteering. And for me, it is very clear that my interest was always in how do we care for each other? How do we care for the planet? How do we eat more sustainably? How do we behave more sustainably? But someone who might look at the courses I did and volunteering might not see that immediately. So I feel like how knowing how to frame yourself is really essential in that because you know that your experience has brought you to where you are now, but someone else who might scan your resume might not see that at all. So how did you learn to do that so well? Well, I did some career services <laughs> workshops, um, but I also learned that very quickly because I felt like there were a lot of um, job openings um, that ask for things that I didn't have. So I felt like to be able to get an interview at this place, I have to sell myself. So I have to really highlight the other experience that I have and hope that they think that those make up for the maybe more technical things that I don't already have. So it was both a, both a combination of um, career services, but mostly I think just doing interviews and getting experiences that, in that and just really experiencing what are the types of questions that people ask me. Um, do I know um, how I can contribute for things? Do I know where I want to get? So just generally experiencing job interviews because they can be so, so differently done. Sure. And, and when you talk about having social media accounts with some followers and stuff. Um, 
did it also matter if you had like uh, a well thought out strategy, a social media or communication strategy, or was it just enough to have that and see that it was a successful blog and social media account? So the funny thing is my my blog isn't even that successful if you measure it in followers, mm -hmm. etc. because that was never my my plan anyways. Um, I think what helped more is that I, the topics that I wrote about and um, the term that I did, because I had my blog for at least four years. Before that, I had another blog about something non-sustainability related for another four years. So that's eight years of um, yeah writing for a general public. Um, so there was never a big strategy involved. And I also don't have a background in communications. It was just enough to be able to show that I knew how to write for a general public, that I could maintain a tone of voice um, and that I could attract uh, the public that I wanted in that. Good, I think uh, these are really helpful uh, experiences that you share because I at least, and I'm sure my colleagues as well, get a lot of these questions like, don't I need to be perfect in this and perfect in that before I apply for something. But yeah, you just need to do it, right? Yeah, just, that, uh, that is exactly my point. You just need to do it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Or yeah, because one thing can lead to another because I got my internship at Studium Generale uh, because I showed that I already wrote about topics that might be interesting for that place as well. Um, so. And my job experience at Sumi Generale showed my current job that I could write. So, you know, in that way, you, yeah, you can, you can land various positions that might help you in your next job, but you have to start somewhere um, to, to get that um, yeah, experience. And it doesn't have to be perfect at all. It just needs to show that you know what you want to do and that you're interested in and you have some skills. But I think this has been mentioned before in a conversation, a lot of skills you already have, or you can transfer from a very different place that's not even related to the position you want. If you have great organization skills, you can use that pretty much everywhere. If you have writing skills, you can use that anywhere. So I think it's just important to be aware of that you have these skills already and be able to explain that to someone. Indeed. Can um, I add, add something to that? Sure, something? you're welcome. Because... Uh, uh, I, I agree, it does uh, not have to be uh, perfect. I think when you're just doing stuff and also when you don't really have something in mind you want to um, go for with it, it's just, it also really shows your interest that you put all your free time and you're uh, in it to create something like that. And it, I think it's really also important uh, for, yeah, in the sustainability field, uh, I felt it's important to show you are passionate about it and you really mean it and you you are willing to put uh, the work in. So um, I think that's um, that's good to mention as well. That when you look uh, with hindsight, you're like, oh, that's a very logical step. But what you uh, said, Sarah, it's you put it together, so it makes sense in a way as well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So a few questions in the chat, um, the one from Julia is quite connected to this. How important are social media skills for green jobs in general? Uh, and is it a good idea to follow a training regarding social media? So is, the, is this a very social media minded field? I think I it depends very much on the kind of fu function you're applying for or you're interested in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with Lillian. Oh, yeah, Lillian, for you, it's is it part of your work or? 
it's part of my work. I must admit, I'm not the best at it. <laughs> uh, and I still have my job. <laughs> but um, I do, I think um, uh, it's, it's a way also of expressing uh, your interest in the field and also trying to, I think, I feel a lot of people working in this field, they are intrinsically motivated and they practice what they preach and they want to show that because they want to convince others. So in that way, I think uh, social media is a great way to express that and uh, you can use it for that, but I don't think it's a necessary skill at all. No, no I also think your personal social media, it can add something, but it's not necessary. It's more the, the field you're interested in. And uh, But social media is a useful way to learn more about sustainability and to follow others and see what's happening. So I really like it for networking and uh, new uh, discovering new things as well. Yeah. Nice. And in that sense, I would say okay. LinkedIn is even probably the most important one for uh, your career or for networking. I would Did also have, say it's a oh. uh, it's a, a platform where you can approach people. If you, uh, I think it's super important if you want to work in the field, and especially if you're uh, what I did. <laughs> like I didn't really work with sustainability before I started this job, uh, even though I did it in my master topics on it. Um, so for me, it was also a way of who can I talk to, who could I have a coffee with to hear about the field, to try to understand it, or hear how huge it actually is and what type of jobs are there, what type of skills do you need? I think um, networking is probably super important also to to learn yourself, to understand, oh, what is it what I like? What is it what I'm searching for in a job actually? Um, and that will help you for finding the right uh, position. A good question uh, from Fernanda. Are there non-Dutch speakers in your communication team? So I guess this is for Charlotte and Sarah, because uh, uh, Fernanda would like to know if there is a likelihood to find an internship without knowledge of the Dutch language. Um, I think uh, at my company, there yeah, it's not possible because uh, a lot of the internship would involve writing things in Dutch so um, because it's focused on a Dutch uh, audience most of the time uh, we were working towards more international campaigns so maybe then it would be better uh, to uh, even have a non-Dutch uh, person uh, but uh, I know at, at Food Cabinet that was not an option and at Solidaridad I don't know. I think there are, so it's an international organization, but uh, mainly the communication focuses on the Dutch public uh, as well. So, um, Yeah, for me, it's the same um, because we have 160 scientists from all the universities and practical universities in the Netherlands. I think we have around three or something from other universities, but that have a Dutch background, so they speak Dutch as well. Um, we do sometimes publish publication in English. So if someone would be a communication expert on that specific project, it might be, but all the colleagues um, are Dutch and everyone needs to be able to speak Dutch just to do um, the work that we do because pretty much all the research projects are in Dutch and the partners that we work with are often Dutch as well, especially if we work with the government. Um, but it would be possible if it were a specific project that would have a more international focus, but currently we don't really have them. And do you know in general whether 
uh, English language or another language than Dutch is uh, useful for some jobs in communications in the green field? Yeah, I think when in non-Dutch organizations, uh, of course, <laughs> but uh, I because I sometimes I think of working abroad and then I'm like, but my skill is communicating in Dutch. So I th I think that's also very hard for me to um, to do some uh, career uh, stuff in uh, abroad. So I think otherwise it's the same, the, the other way around. Yeah. But of course, when you have a more uh, international organization, uh, there are uh, some offices that have like uh, a Europe uh, part and there maybe you can uh, help the international communications team or something like that. And of course, in governments, uh, some communication is in English. So I think there are enough possibilities, but it's a little bit harder to find if you really want uh, to do that in the Netherlands and focus on communication, social media, because I think most of it focuses on a Dutch public as well. Uh, there's also some other questions in the chat, a uh, general question that was asked a while ago. Let me see who that was, René. Um, how have you experienced to deal with environmental or technical requirements, skills and knowledge when looking for a green job? Uh, do you have tips for us to apply for a green job with a humanity degrees communications? Uh, specifically, I think we discussed this a little bit already. Um, anything that pops up that you might want to add? Um, I think that it is really important to show that you're willing to learn and willing to put in the effort and that you have general academic knowledge, if that is asked, and or um, research knowledge so that you'll be able to pick it up. I think if that uh, if that is something that you can show that you'll be able to pick it up and that you're very interested in the topic, um, if you show that enough, then they can see that you'll be able to learn on the job. But I think very often if you work in um, as a program manager or project uh, yeah in a project that you'll be having a very specific focus in that project. And it's not possible to know all of these focuses as well. None of my colleagues do like they could have a, a background that is a bit more technical for if you're going to do a project that is very specific about regenerative farming with these ty types of farming. Yeah. You're not going to be able to know that beforehand. So it's never possible to cover all the topics that you're going to do. Um, so just being able to show that you want to put in the work and that you can pick it up. I think that is really important. A question that I also had, and Karen is also asking in the in the chat, which is very interesting, uh, talking about practicing what you preach, which we did uh, just a few minutes ago. Does your work influence your behavior and actions uh, related to climate and sustainability in your personal life? And if yes, in what way? And I would also turn it around. Like, would you would you be able to work in such an environment uh, of a green job? if you didn't have that personal approach as well in your daily life? Lillian, maybe you can. I would think it's hard to work in the field if you're not uh, committed to it yourself. Uh, also because you'll, you'll get so much knowledge on it that it's uh, it becomes, uh, you cannot be innocent anymore. <laughs> like you see it everywhere and everything, uh, you touch uh, whether it's your phone or it's uh, it's uh, uh, I don't know the type of soap you're using or uh, uh, yeah the food you're eating where it's coming from how it's made uh, how it's 
whether it's wrapped or not. Or, yeah, I think it uh, it did um, change my behavior. Yeah. yeah, and I I think I was already quite a, a conscious consumer, but uh, uh, definitely did change it in a way that I feel. Uh, I know it when I'm doing something that uh, maybe not that good for the environment, like uh, using a car or uh, I'm very conscious of it. And I really question myself, do I really need to use the car or not, uh, for, as an example? Or, um, uh, uh, yeah, I made the commitment to not buy anything new for the rest of the year uh, for products or clothes or whatever, uh, because you realize how much an impact that would have. So. Yeah. And are you still able to enjoy life despite all of this? <laughs> Definitely. It can be a, a nice, uh, uh, yeah, it can be a, a nice challenge for yourself. And it's also because uh, I, I understand your question because I was struggling with it a little bit that every time you do something that you know is maybe not that good, you feel guilty. Uh, and then uh, I changed that view of like, I'm trying, I'm, I'm I work in the field. Uh, I, practice a lot of what I preach uh, it's okay if I sometimes uh, do have a, I don't know a piece of uh, fish for example then I feel uh, not that guilty anymore How's this for Sarah? Um, yeah I think for me it is very much the other way around because my interest into the field of sustainability um, yeah, was created because I started questioning my own consumer behavior um, so it is only naturally that I started working sustainable uh, in the field of sustainability. Um, I will say that I am a very idealist person. And for me, sustainability is very much a passion that I try to incorporate in every aspect of my life. So naturally, that would be my job, but that would also be my own role as a consumer. But that also means that I'm the person on parties who's like, where's the recycling bin? Uh, yeah, I really try to incorporate being green in every aspect of my life. And I thought that would be the same case for everyone who worked in the sustainability field. That turned out not to be the case. So I have a vegan food blog and I thought it was very natural. If you work in sustainability, you'd be at least vegetarian. That's not how the world works. For a lot of people, um, they try to focus on one aspect of being uh, green sustainable. And that, that makes a lot of sense because you can't turn around your whole life, your whole consumer behavior in one night. So it's very much a journey. And I think everyone who works in the field of sustainability is on a different stage in that journey. For some people, it's just a day job. It is a way to pay the bills. And for some people, um, working in sustainability isn't as big as a passion as it might be for some people. For me personally, it is one of the biggest passions in my life. And definitely what I learn on my job in ways of scientific knowledge about how you can convince people um, to be more sustainable or just more technical knowledge. If I can apply it to my life, I will 100%. But it doesn't go for everyone. So it really depends what kind of job and what kind of colleagues you have and what kind of life they're leading. And was it difficult for you to deal with that reality that not all of your colleagues were just as passionate about it as you were? Yeah, for sure. Because I expected that, like Lillian says, once you know it and have the information, the technical information about the planet and the impact of the things you do, that you would avoid that. But then I realized that at the end of the day, all my colleagues and the people that I work with, to some degree, they really have this passion. Otherwise, they wouldn't be working in it. And everyone has a different way of of using that in their life. And yeah, that doesn't change the way that I look 
at my passion and it doesn't make me less passionate. Maybe sometimes a bit more frustrating, but that's okay. You can have talks about that. And that is the great thing I think about working in sustainability. Um, that you can try to incorporate those ideals a bit more in the practical side of your company. For example, I see myself as, as a very intersectional environmentalist. So the intersectional basically means that you see that um, everyone has very different ways that make you an, an individual. So when you look at more at the environmental sector, you can realize that issues as racism, for example, are very tied with the environmental sector. And this approach is not something that was used a lot in my work. Um, and um, over the last couple of months, I've been working at um, inclusion and diversity at my job because I thought this approach was very useful. So in that way, I used my own ideals and my own beliefs about what this sector, this field should be. And I incorporated that more uh, in my workplace. And I think, yeah, that 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 always that not, it's not something that always can be done. But I think it's great if you feel like this is a passion of yours, you can try to incorporate it more at the place you work. Might work, might not work, but you can try. It feels like it's very aligned with who you are and what you do in your daily life. That's, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. How is that for you, Charlotte? Um, yeah, of course, sustainability was uh, my drive to work in a certain field as well, in the field of food. Uh, but actually, during my job, I discovered that... Uh, Things are really nuanced all of the time. So to change a whole food sector, you need all people to participate from farmers to chefs to scientists. And to change all those uh, things, there's uh, nuance involved because uh, before I think I was a little bit naive. I was like, well, if everybody would just go uh, vegan or vegetarian, we can save the food system and the world. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> there are lots of steps um, um, involved. So uh, actually, uh, I think it is important to um, make uh, sustainable choices yourself, but it's also important to um, trust your, um, to use your voice as a citizen to, uh, say to big companies like hey you cannot do this anymore hey why are you doing it like that and politicians and to get more involved in society because you can make sustainable choices yourself but there are some people with power that can make really uh, a lot more impact so i think it's good to go to a climate uh, strike to uh, write an email or a letter sometimes to a politician or someone at albert hein and say hey why are you doing this so yeah, it's. I think uh, we need to be careful. We're not going to look at each other like, hey, why do you eat that fish or why do you eat this? Uh, but more like, okay, we're working towards a more sustainable system and what kind of actions are needed for that? And everybody has their own uh, journey in that. And some people will, uh, yeah, yeah, that's just different for, for everybody. So, yeah. Sarah, you got a question from Inge. How do you bring up the issue of inclusive inclusivity and diversity in a work environment? Because I feel that is very delicate discussion and often can lead to tensions. So it's a bit of a diversion from the green, but still important. Uh, actually, um, the way uh, that comment is actually the answer to the question, because the way that mm -hmm. we introduced it, or I introduced it, um, because I uh, lead this movement in my company, is that we organized a lecture about the link between uh, the environmental 
um, movement and environmental justice and racism and inclusion. So the way that I felt I, that I could introduce this is to make sure that people understood that this was not just a societal issue in general, but also something that has very close ties to the work that we do every day uh, at the Groene Brein. Um, so to realize that because we work with institutions, mostly universities and practical universities, that these institutions have a link with um, racism, they have a link with um, exclusion of people, uh, the knowledge that is produced is in a very typical way, and to realize that to know more about inclusion and, and equality and diversity, not just make sure that we don't use um, exclusion mechanisms in like job openings and interviews, but also that it impacts everything we do. And to realize that if you want to have an inclusive and circular economy, that means that you have to include everyone because everyone lives on the same planet. So you can't just talk with white old men about it because guess what? More people than just that live on the planet. So the way I introduced it was to really make sure that people understood why this was a topic that was relevant for everyone, but especially for us in the climate movement. Um, yeah, and that is a delicate conversation to answer your question, of course. And it is something that will take time and a change that won't happen overnight. But I've been doing this for half a year now, and I really feel that colleagues at this point um, are looking at ways to incorporate these ideas of inclusion into their own projects. And that is fantastic to see. And I see this happening in so many more green um, organizations around me, that people are looking not just at their own processes, but also about, okay, this climate movement, this has to be inclusive, otherwise it's not, it's not going to happen. It's true. A few years ago, there was hardly any conversation on this in the Netherlands, and now it's really taken off. So... Very interesting indeed. We have another question from Lena, specifically for Lilian, uh, again on the technical skills. How do you learn the specific technical skills for starting out uh, in your job when it's not in your study? Is a traineeship uh, the usual way to go? Uh, I wouldn't say it's the usual way to go. I don't know what the usual way to go is. Uh, <laughs> but because this question keeps popping up, uh, I would... Um, uh, at least answer like what is what kind of job do you want what kind of uh uh yeah what what are the conditions for your job and does it even contain technical work uh, and if it doesn't then don't worry too much about the technical aspect and uh focus on what you're good at and see how that matches because it will match uh, i don't think uh, uh, you do have to be so afraid of uh, technical details around sustainability. Um, yeah, that's actually my main uh, point I really want to say here, because yeah. I think it's covered in the team, for sure. If anything, sustainability is, of course, a large part about technical stuff, uh, about biology and science or whatever, uh, but it's also mostly a political and a philosophical and an organizational communication uh, question. And Humanities students are excellent at those kind of things, and they really can look at the past and see what we can learn from that, and they can think think things through from a systemic point of view. And exactly, I think, um, yeah, don't underestimate yourself uh, in in this sense because you really do have a lot to offer uh, for this this uh, 
this transition to a, to a more sustainable economy and a sustainable world. So I think we've heard some excellent experiences and uh, examples uh, today. Uh, and I want to round off now by thanking Lilian and Charlotte and Sarah and also Anamain who already left. But uh, I want to thank you all for your very valuable input. I think it was, uh, and I saw that in the comments as well, very interesting for a lot of people, uh, very valuable. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you all and good night. This concludes this episode of Your Perspective. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to know about other perspectives as well, please check out our other podcast episodes or the live events throughout the year. Thank you for listening.